0: It's Saturday, October 17th, and this is The Pit Show. What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here. This is The Pit Show, uh, the show that's all about me talking to you about some of the things that I've learned and I'm reflecting on, and then also a conversation with someone that inspires me to keep pushing forward. And uh, this week, we're going to have the follow-up, the second half of the conversation that I had with Trey Hunter a couple of weeks ago. Uh, guys, it's the struggle is real right now. It has been extremely busy on my end. I am working nonstop. I've got to get better at that. I am just so enamored with my new role and the projects that I'm working on, the projects I'm being allowed to work on, and I I need to curtail it a little bit. That way I have a little bit of time for y'all, but that's not what I want to talk about today. In fact, funny enough, I recorded an episode for last week and didn't publish it because I wasn't feeling it. And I think I know why, because these conversations often need to have like a little bit of inspiration behind them. I wanted to talk about the idea of having the algorithm work for you. And I don't mean that as a creator. I mean that as a consumer. So earlier in the year, I had a problem where YouTube was playing a lot of Africa by Toto. Uh, And I know that it's one of those things that like, it's like a red car. Once you hear it, you hear it everywhere. But I mean, it was, it was getting wild. (laughs) Like I was getting remix after remix after remix after remix. And, and it kind of baffled me and kind of made me angry for a while. It was like, why, why are you showing up the way that you are? Why are you always finding a way to, to pop up on my YouTube, like timeline or, you know, recommendations and I didn't think too much about it. I knew like YouTube kind of does that thing of like, okay, hey, you like this one thing. Let me find similar things. And for some reason, it didn't really click to me until I got on TikTok. Now, I'm not a TikTok star. I'm not creating things on TikTok. Don't even follow me on TikTok. I'm not creating. I'm just consuming. I love meme culture. I I love, you know, memes that aren't really offensive, but memes that are just funny and I think that was one of the reasons why I did decide to finally go on TikTok was that I noticed that there were a lot of just really funny videos, a lot of creative artists Uh, reminded me of the Vine days. Now, I know that for most people, I'm not talking about anything new, but I'm sure most people will understand that TikTok is designed to remove searching for things out of the equation it's, in my opinion, a little bit more like Twitter, where you have a set idea of things that you want to watch, but it takes it up a notch. It takes it to the next level. It, it says, I'm going to just start giving you things. And depending on how you respond to the things that I'm giving you, I'm going to give you either similar or different things. And... It kind of clicked at that point that a lot of the things that we talk about in terms of representation and diversity, in my opinion, can be, I don't want to say resolved, because I think there is a representation problem, especially in tech, but can be reduced the issues can be reduced if we were able to start feeding the algorithm more now i want to talk about this in in this kind of perspective i don't quite think that the representation of, of folks in the tech space equates to the fact that they just don't exist. The problem is that we're not surfacing the content that they're creating and encouraging more from that space. And this is no better served an example than my tweet that I sent out earlier in the week. You see, I wanted to not just hear what more advocates were doing, hear about what more people of color were doing. I wanted to hear from uh, folks that are a part of the BIPOC Um, black and indigenous peoples of color and, or sorry, and people of color and advocates that, that awesome combination of, of D all of the above. The problem was I knew of a few BIPOC advocates, but I didn't have a kind of an exhaustive list. And when I asked like, hey, is there a list of like some amazing people of color that are de- developer advocates that I can follow? I got silence. And while I am not by any means an influencer like in this space, I don't have tens of thousands of people just waiting for me to ask questions so that they can answer. I still would have thought that there were a few people in that I follow, that follow me, that, you know, I communicate with on a regular that are also people of color uh, or that are, you know, allies to people of color that would have been able to go, oh, sure. Yeah. Have you heard of this person? Have you heard of that person? Have you heard of them? Like, but instead I heard nothing. And I went to look for, you know, those, those phenomenal 20 people, 20 developer advocates you should follow in 2020 to look and see how many people of color were being represented. And the answer was very, very few. In fact, I think on a couple of lists, there was like one person of color. And I was shocked. I was stunned, especially since... You know, my team of developer advocates, the team that I'm a part of, we have 100 percent, you know, racial diversity. All of our all of our developer advocates in the U.S. are people of color and our identified gender diversity is 50-50, like between identifying as male, identifying as female. So it's insane to me to say like, well, there just aren't any other advocates of color because that couldn't be the case. My own example showed that there had to be. So how did I go about hoping to fix this issue of there were not advocates of color being surfaced? And what does that how does that apply to whatever you're trying to do? I will tell you that after we finish up the interview with Trey Hunter. So without further ado, here goes uh, part two, my conversation with Trey. Uh, I hope you enjoy. So how how has the transition into like, you know, you mentioned you for a while you wrote a lot of code. Now you're teaching others how to write a lot of code. Um, how has that transitioned from you in terms of the type of projects that you work on, whether you work on them for fun or to to learn? like uh, Just kind of explain how that transition kind of has gone over the past few years.
1: Yeah, I am really, really lucky because uh, well, I, I can't say the sole reason I'm really, really lucky, but one reason I am very, very lucky is that Coming into training is something that kind of happened by accident, you know, by happenstance, the same way getting into consulting happened for me, realizing Python was a language I want to do, finding out about web development. I mean, a lot of these things were just someone came to me and had a problem or showed me a thing and I went, oh, that's kind of cool. And it's possible I might have just never, that wouldn't have happened for years. So coming into training was a happy accident that happened in uh, 2015. Before that, before I decided I was going to stop doing all of my client consulting work, which is what I was doing at the time, and only do training, I was writing code for other people mostly. However, I was also kind of teaching on the side at the San Diego Python Group's workshops, which is where we met in San Diego Python Group. And um, I was contributing to open source sort of on the side, sort of for client work, but also sort of for like, This is fun. You know, this may not be a billable hour I'm doing here because I can't really justify this being for, you know, a project I'm actually working on with a client. But it's an excuse to write code that's, uh, you know, for learning, for the sake of me figuring out how does GitHub interact with some, you know, Travis CI or with the Python package index or how does a pull request work? Because if I'm, you know, if if I'm contributing to a project I've ever contributed to, I then have to figure out how do I abide by their style guide and such. So writing code for fun was a thing I did. Now I get to do it all the time. Because if I'm teaching, the code examples that I write, I have full control over them. And if I decide I'm going to come up with some really wacky example that gets the point across because there's an analogy in there that works, that's fine. And it's in fact, it's fine if I then have a disclaimer afterwards, oh, you should never do this because there's this big flaw in the code here. Whereas I could never deploy that code to production. And so I... I'm really lucky that I now get to write a lot of code for fun with the excuse in the back of my mind, at least, that this might end up being in curriculum one day, even though it isn't most of the time, you know, there's a chance that it might be.
0: I love that. And I actually want to wrap it up with, you know, what is next for you and for, you know, for your, your course, uh, work that you're doing like what where, what has you most excited um, especially right now when there's not very many reasons to be excited
1: <laughs> right Yeah this is a good question because you're right there's a lot of reasons I'm not excited that are not particularly relevant to my work but have me kind of fretting about you know what am I doing with my life sort of um, and so in my work, I guess it's funny because I often think of it as the opposite. What am I not excited about? What am I I scared of? (laughs) And that then lets me know what are the things I need to find the the replacement for that or the thing that comes after that. And a year or two ago, it was preparing talks at conferences takes a lot of time or being on the Python Software Foundation board of directors. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm not making a difference there. What's the thing I want to do instead? Um, And sometimes I'm kind of, I've burned out on a specific thing. I don't think I've burned out on Python exercises, but I do feel like I need something more well-rounded there in the sense that I purposely took the approach a couple of years ago with Python morsels that I'm not going to write, I'm not going to tell you things. I'm not going to show you things in video. I'm not going to you know speak things out loud. I instead give you an exercise, you write the code, and then you think about it afterward. Which is like in you know the inverse of a traditional Python course kind of. I don't have the traditional Python course part though. So I think I want to go back and circle back and try to do the thing that everyone else is doing and figure out how do I then link that to the thing I've already been doing? How do I do screencasts? How do I do not just blog posts, but tutorials maybe stepping you through things or full courses? Um, which sounds funny that I, I want to like kind of do a more traditional teaching style. But that, to me, that's exciting because I hadn't been doing it, I wasn't doing it, so i that's the thing I think I want to circle back and do is figure out how do I be a little bit more of a traditional online uh educator and, and maybe figure out how do I take that and whatever I learn there, put it into what I'm doing on site with teams
0: I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that has helped in my career is looking at new opportunities and taking them and then again kind of doing that retrospective of like how what did i learn in doing this and how can i apply this to other areas i mean for me like i said a lot of the code that i'm writing is often because of you know podcast related stuff the first the first project i ever showed you and i i think it was you and uh, might have been david i know it was you melanie and carol And it was literally a way that I could make gathering show notes easier for my podcasts. And like through that, I fell in love with like regular expressions and you know, the stuff that I I literally was helping someone on Twitter. They were like, Hey, I have this, you know, regular expression nightmare thing. And I'm like, okay, what are you trying to solve? And then I'm like, all right, let me just make sure I'm doing this right. And still having that same fun with it. And it's like, wow, wow to think that the knowledge that I was able to impart on, you know, to someone else came from an idea that was just like, podcasts are hard. How do I make them less hard?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, cause you're finding a need and that need is something you understand or you know, someone who really understands either way. And then you solve it and you go from there. And at some point you're going to realize maybe I'm going in the wrong direction, but it, Moving, I think, is more important than, you know, what direction you're going in, because you're always kind of change course.
0: Absolutely. And it's a lot easier to to keep moving and change your direction than it is to actually start moving. Uh, So let everybody know how they can connect with Python morsels or uh, how they can get you to help uh, teach their team.
1: Um, PythonMorsels.com is where you can go sign up, and you'll get uh, essentially the first month free uh, for that. And after that, you can choose whether or not you want to, you know, pay to get more out of that. At the moment, more means more exercises, more of the the you know habit of doing an exercise on a regular basis. Which that habit is really the important thing, regardless of what platform you're doing it on. Um, If you're interested in team training or just want to chat about your team situation, even if it doesn't make sense for us to work together, uh, truthful.technology is my, those are kind of two, they're the same entity, just two different domains. Um, That's where I do uh, on-site and remote training for teams. And anyone on the internet, you see Trey Hunter. Uh, That's two N's, There's, there's, there's no silent T in there. Um that is me or I guess it could be someone impersonating me but I don't I don't think that would ever happen.
0: All right, that was the rest of my conversation with Trey Hunter. Don't forget, we have a second feed that is available for free. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to it for the bonus show, which has the full conversation um, in its totality. So if you missed the first conversation, just go and listen to that. And and then there's also the bonus show, the after show, where Trey interviews me, and we had a. a long, awesome conversation. I think that day, I talked to Trey for probably like three or four hours. I think it was like three hours and only one and a half of those hours were for Pitt. So uh, there's still a lot of conversation in there. Be sure to go check that out. But before the interview, I mentioned like, what am I doing about this? Well, I hope you're familiar with the phrase awesome list. I love awesome lists. An awesome list is literally just a a list on GitHub that is a collection of things that someone thought were awesome. And I love this idea. I think it's simple. It's easy. The maintenance on it isn't that much. Uh, You can get as quirky or as automated as you want or don't want to be there's kind of a set structure to it that isn't too hard to deal with. You don't have to worry about spinning up a website. You don't have to worry about doing all these other things. All you have to do is talk about the things that you like. And in my mind, in how connected the internet space is, I believe that this is an opportunity to solve one of these issues that we've been having with how do we surface folks and communities that we want to hear about. I made an awesome list. I call it the by-pocket dev advocate awesome list. You know, it, it's quite literally who is a developer advocate of color and what are all of the different places where I can go and figure out what they're doing. And it's by no means exhausted. It's like I've only got like seven people on there right now. And I work with a few of them and I'm friends with a few others. So I'm working on developing this list and growing it to give me an area where I can check out what these folks are doing, because that's how we solve this problem. Again, I don't believe, I believe that there is a diversity problem. I don't believe the solution is shouting about the diversity problem. I think the the solution is advocating for and promoting the voices of the few so that it attracts more like them until we have equal representation. And that's something that I'm passionate about. That's something that is one of my life themes that I have where, you know, I try to align myself with organizations that are hoping to expose and inform and identify folks of color to other folks of color, to other you know, underrepresented groups and have that promotional idea grow. So, what does that mean for you? It's simple. Don't accept the idea that the thing that you want to do, the thing that you want to examine isn't popular enough to care. I I can promise you, and I've mentioned this before on other shows, I've mentioned this on my show, the fact that you're having a hard time discovering the thing that you're looking for only means that the thing that you're looking for would love to have you a part of it because when you're loud, when you're vocal, when you're able to say, we need to do this, we need to make this happen. We need to bring awareness to this. Then you are not, you're a force multiplier to the overall goal what I have come to learn and a good example of this is the pen community there. You wouldn't think that the fountain pen community is as large as it is, but in fact, it's, it's massive. There are plenty of people that talk about pens. There are plenty of people that talk about pencils. There are plenty of people that, that care about these things and everyone knows everyone. And when they find someone new, they are so determined to get that person plugged into all of the other great things. So again, if you're having a hard time discovering something, look at the things that you've already discovered and feel free to reach out and ask, hey, who are some other folks that are doing this? If, if nobody knows, start building the list. Just start, start figuring it out. Start asking those questions and growing because that is how communities are built. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. It's a little bit shorter one. Um, again, like I said, I kind of feel weird because I totally recorded an episode and then didn't publish it. And I'm trying to play catch up. I'm trying to get back on schedule. I'm trying to get everything going again. There's been a lot of things going on, but it seems like things are going to start slowing down relatively soon. And again, we're also wrapping up the year. I know I mentioned before that normally we start, I think actually around this time was when we put the show on pause for the rest of the year to, you know, deal with holidays and all these other things. But I've got a massive list of interviews that I still need to get out. So I'm going to be pushing through, uh, just give me a little bit of grace, a little bit of leniency. And I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise I'm not planning on going anywhere. Uh, I just want to make sure that when I do present these ideas, that they're, they're somewhat thought out, that they are inspiring, and that they help lead people to making decisions that are going to help them grow to be better versions of whatever it is they're choosing to uh, accomplish or be. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week.